He is a two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, a 20-time Bassmaster Classic Qualifier. The incomparable G-Man, Gerald Swindle, joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all, friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Happy New Year to all of you. This is the first podcast of 2023, hot off the first week I took off from podcasting in over two years and enjoyed some nice downtime with my family. And I hope you guys did the same. Well, not with my family, but with your own family. Um... But it's weird because you, whenever you have a bit of a break, you know, I find people are like, well, what did you do? And I'm like, well, we did um, nothing, literally nothing. I mean, we, we sat around, we watched movies, we watched sporting events, we had campfires, we just hung out as a family. And I honestly think that one of the things that is missing in our world is we don't do enough of nothing. I mean, people are always busy doing things, but one of the purest, most refreshing things you can do in your life is do nothing. Just hang out with your kids and watch the great outdoors, you know, old school movies and, and stuff like that. I mean, it to me, I had a great week doing nothing is what I'm saying, but I'm happy to be back here doing something. Um and it's a new year, so people want to talk about New Year's resolutions. That's a big thing. A lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves. Like, I need a New Year's resolution. I need to, like, I'm a mess. I'm, trust me, I've been there. And some may think I am there right now. But my New Year's resolution, I've gone through stages in life where I was like, ah, I'm going to do New Year's resolution. I'm not going to do. But my New Year's resolution for this year is very simple. And it's literally just to be better every day. And it doesn't matter who you are. We all can embrace a resolution like that. Like, I mean, if you're trying to build a mega empire, maybe that's your New Year's resolution, you know? But maybe it's just getting up and making your bed. Because you didn't make it yesterday, so by making your bed, that makes you better. Um, investing time in just different things. But just, I want to lay my head at the pillow at the end of the night and be like, yeah, today was a better version of me yesterday and by the end of the year i'll be like look at how much things have changed look at how much satisfying things i i was able to experience in my life just by trying to make every single day better so that's my new year's resolution and my question to you guys question of the week everybody's got to answer this one because if you don't believe in resolution just tell me don't believe in them if you do let me know what your new year's resolution is and um I think we'll all kind of motivate each other a little bit, you know, just just through that simple act. And um, and if nothing else, you'll you'll motivate the algorithm and more people will watch this show and it'll make me happy and and uh, it'll make things better. But speaking of making things better, one of the best things you can do to make said show better is is book the best guests. And when it came to thinking of who to book. You know, a week back, you need a big guest. I mean, the first time I took a week off in two years, I need somebody strong to kick off the new year, somebody that will motivate us all. And the first name came to my head is, you need Gerald Swindle. Well, thank God Gerald Swindle agreed 
to be here. One of the most motivating, um, incredible individuals in our sport. And um, I'm thankful to call him a friend, and I'm thankful to call him our guest here at our first week back. So without, uh, basically, this is the point in the show where I do exactly what I do on stage when he comes up, and that's shut up because the world wants to hear what he has to say. And so do I. Without further ado, from Gunnersville, Alabama, the incomparable G-Man, Gerald Swindle. Gerald Swindle, we've had probably the best 20-minute conversation we could have ever had in a podcast, and I, di- I didn't even hit record. So we're officially starting now. Yes. Happy New Year, G. Happy New Year, <laughs> Big Dave. How you been, bud? Freezing to death? Quite, quite cold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um it, it, you guys didn't have snow. Like when you posted your video and said, take your weather away, I was <laughs> I was like, man, I would love to be somewhere with no snow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it got cold for you guys. So take, like take Gussie, that. Gussie was like, I would love to have just some 15 degree weather. And I'm like, well, I don't like it. And you were like, no, <laughs> he's like minus 25. I'm like, no. Oh, Gussie lives. I told you, Gussie lives where you have to plug in your car. Like that's... Even as a Canadian, I'm like, I don't need to live in a part of the world where I need to plug in my car. Not to charge it, just to make sure it starts yeah. the next day. Yeah, that's cold, bro. That's cold. But y'all, we we have not seen that many days below freezing in a long time. And uh, like all of my green fields I planted for my deer, almost 20 acres, everything died within two or three days. Like it's stone dead. It, it won't come back. It just, we're not used to that type of cold. So what, what, do pe- what did people do? Just like. People just kind of looked at each other in the Dollar General going, <laughs> they're out of propane and cigarettes and eggs. I mean, we were just all looking at each other like, what are we supposed to do? And then it was four days before we got above freezing. So it was a lot of water pipes busted. We just, you know, building, we don't build down here for that because people's like, why don't y'all prepare? Because it, it would cost so much extra to prepare for it. We just don't hardly ever see it. So people just gamble that, you know, you ain't got to insulate that wall. So the water freezes up, and you're like, I should have put some insulation in that wall. Just- All of a sudden, it makes sense why they sell liquor seven days a week in the north. <laughs> I'm starting to understand it. The chain smoking, the liquor on every corner. I'm like, it ain't because the fishing sucks. It's because the weather sucks. The fishing yeah. up here is pretty good. I mean, I can understand the liquor stores around Sabine. I mean, they make sense. <laughs> There's some fishermen down there that's signing up for AA every day. But up north, it's like it's the weather. That's what gets you here. That's what that's what sends the folks to the ABC stores. The weather, but yeah. hey, we trade it out. We talked about this earlier. I get the heat, you get the cold. We just mix it all up, trade it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, years ago, I used to think, wow, if I lived in the South, I would be so much more active. And then the more time I spent with guys like James Overstreet, I realized that you guys have winter. It's just called summer. Like yes. <laughs> that time of year where it's so hot that. Nobody moves. And dude, if we had the same in the defense of the people from the South, that everybody likes to say, oh, it's cold. Why can't you? If we had the extreme heats that you guys get for an extended period of time, stuff in our houses would start to blow up, too. <laughs> I just I think in the South, people like, man, you always wear a sleeveless shirt. I'm like, it's a dress code. Like if you live here. <laughs> Through June, July, and August, every shirt you have has the sleeves cut out because it doesn't do no good. They just droop with water and just pour. Like just cut them out. It's like you. It's like you're winding. You're just running down the lake. You know? <laughs> hey, how about a sad day in sports? Now that you and I, oh. we had we lost uh, Ken uh, Block yesterday. Yeah, 
great and, driver. Uh, yeah, like one of the world famous drivers. Like I, I, the video he did where he did the all wheel drive uh, Shelby Mustang and he raced all through the streets. I think it was San Francisco. I can remember watching that video like a hundred times because that's right when we first got GoPros and I'm thinking this guy's like the most craziest thing ever trying to just figure out how he got the shots. And then we had the football player last night that had the cardiac arrest. I'm like, it was a crazy day in, in the sports world yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm as big an NFL fan as you'll find. And, uh, you know, there was so much riding on that game, but I think that was just such a great reminder. Cause all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like as a Chiefs fan, you're tuned in that game because all of this matters, how it all plays out. And everybody, you know, like it's just, that's the truth of life. We all have to learn over and over again that all of a sudden things you thought were so important don't well, really we take matter. It for granted. We take it for granted. Even in fishing, we take it. I might, you know, oh, we got to, we got to tournament next week and the next week and the next week. You might not, bro. You might not be here, you know? And I think last night showed that it could just be a freak accident. I, I sit and watched it unfold and I was like wondering, like, did the NFL react quick enough? Like they it just like it drug out for a while. And like I'm the guy sitting there on the couch going, the game don't matter. I'm like, I'm not even a huge NFL fan, but the game to me is over. Like it it just like cut it off. Like, let's yeah. figure out if this young man's gonna live or die, what we need to do. But it's like, and I know that that's a big, big business, but like sometimes to me, I'm looking at that going, this is a common sense decision. Yeah. And I don't think the NFL made it, to be honest, like from and I don't have any proof, but from what I I watched, two coaches made that decision. They walked to each other. They had a talk on the field. They left the field. Then they walked to each other, you know, at the dressing rooms and had a conversation. And you saw them on the phone, which I would assume they were talking to um, the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, and saying none of our players are going back out like I don't know how you go back after that. Like, how how do you even the opposing team when you watched how bad it rattled uh, Stefan Diggs? Like, it, it it he was tore up. Like, you know, and you seen he was one of the first people to the hospital when it was over. Like, it tells you the caliber of people that really play in the NFL. Sometimes I think in the media we see more of the bad in the NFL than we do the good. You know, we see when somebody does something really bad, but like you dig around in the NFL, there's a lot of great people there, a lot of great kids that have turned into really good men. And you're like, I wish we had opportunities to highlight that more than we did in something like last night, where you could just really focus on what that guy's all about, you know, and you watch, uh, I seen that, uh, he had a toy drive going. Yeah. It was at $2,500 was his goal this morning at 5am. It was at 900,000 honey. His toy drive is up to 3 million. Gosh, after last night, no, wow. it, it was at 900,000 this morning at 5 a.m. And now, once it since everybody got up, it's went to jump to three million. So, you see the fans of the NFL, but I'm thinking, you know, you, you wonder. I mean, I think he's still like in critical condition, but yeah, stable. But you hear the doctors talk about it, it's just a rare lick in the heart, like it's a, like it was a freak freak accident that he hit between the timing beats of his heart and it shut his heart off he had a heart attack so i'm like that don't just happen in football that can happen in anything so like sometimes in fishing when people act like we we joke and and people that know you and i know we like to laugh but sometimes it's the only way you and i can survive i I truly believe sometimes laughter for me and laughter for you and, and encouraging other people to laugh it's almost like 
therapy. It's it's yeah. a way that I can feel better. It's a way that I can keep it in check, you know, and you see everybody out there on the road and I'm, I'm that guy now tries to be thankful for every day, try to find some good reason to smile about it. Even though I might've sucked on the water, I still understand the reality as I'm growing older days, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. No, no. You know, and that's after watching that last night, you see it, you're like, yeah, reality check. Why, why do you think the world is at moments like that? I'm reminded again, of like just everybody likes hate. Everybody likes you know what I mean? Like that you go on Twitter and that's being blamed on a million different things. And it's just like you have people who said they were never watching the NFL all of a sudden that are watching because somebody's life is in crisis. And but it's just like you said, there's so many good things that happen in all sports. But to get people to shine a light on those good things, you're going to get about this much traffic. Like, I mean, if we post this podcast and we say. Peace, love and happiness with Gerald Swindle, we'll get a bunch of people tuned in. But if we say Gerald Swindle finally opens up and tears the heart out of the fishing industry, we'll get 10 times the amount of traffic. What is wrong with the world, G? I think that people like the shock. They like the shock of the quick, they set foam as that scroll up. It's like when you're on TikTok, everybody's going for that shock factor. And I think, unfortunately, that's where we're at. When you turn the news on, the news ain't the news anymore. Yeah. It's just 30 minutes of straight shock. And, and if, that, oh, if that wasn't good enough, here comes another one. And I'm like, I want a news channel with just the good news, man. You know, I want to, I want a fishing tournament with just the good news. I don't want, I don't need everybody to tell me how bad the place sucks. Hey, it, it's, it is what it is. Still going to be a winner. But I think as a society in the last four to five years, we've become hooked on the bad, mm -hmm. you know, and whether the media trained us to do that or whether iPhones trained us, I don't know, Mark Zuckel's chicken or whatever. I don't know. They feed you so much bad news. All you see, I think your body wants bad news. It's what you react to. I mean, look at the fishing industry and this drives me crazy. Like you've got a bunch of folks that figured out a way to fish for a living which it, it, for all of us, I don't care who it was, whether it's you, whether it's Kevin Van Dam, you doesn't matter the person's name. That all started as, there was a point in your life where you were like, wait a second, I could get paid to fish. There's like, there's a, there's a cheat code in life where I can actually, but I, tune into, hustle, baby. <laughs> but I tune into podcasts all the time and all I hear is, what's wrong with the fishing industry? How do we make the fish? There's a freaking arena full of people that cheer for a bunch of dudes in shirts holding up fish. Like it, rather than focusing on how bad things are, it's it's just weird to me. It's a lot of, and I'm getting that more and more. And I'm kind of feeling like you. Like I, I, I give a little bit more pushback. My wife says my filter's getting full or just depleted, and and at over fifty, your filter don't like. So when people start that, hey, what's wrong with the fishing industry? What's wrong with the fishing industry? And I'm real quick to say, probably what's wrong with the fishing industry is you. See, you're just hating. You're not, you're not, you're not looking at anything good. You're not figuring out that we are fishing for a living. We're not over in Iraq trying to take a poop in the sand. We are fishing. We are doing something we love to do. There is men and women who are out serving like police officers, firefighters. Like we, we're not them. As I say, as TikTok says, you're not him. We're just guys that doing chasing a dream. So, like, how bad can it be? I mean, yes. Is there things that you see sometimes you're like, man, that could probably be worked on, but I'm tired of harping on it. It didn't matter. Look at the good. Look, yeah. look at what it's, it's provided you a stage to make a great living for your family. It's, it, I mean, it gives you a chance to showcase your talents all the way down 
to the tournament staff, to the, the tournament MC. Everybody there has a job incorporated around fishing. How bad does it suck? Now, if we was all unemployed, I could be like, now, Dave, I can tell you what's wrong with the fishing industry, but I ain't unemployed. You know, and a lot of times what's wrong with the fishing industry is people just don't want to hustle. People are just too quick to see what's wrong with it and not what's good with it. You almost want to challenge them. Hey, listen, to have any complaints, you got to tell me three things good. And I, I find myself sometimes, Dave, standing in a weigh-in line, and I'm looking around because I, I maybe have had a pretty crappy day, and I'm thinking, okay, I got to find something good today. Like, I will challenge myself before I get up there to you because there's nobody better at setting things up on stage than you, and it would be so easy to be negative. And I'm like, I just got to try to find something good. You know, don't, it's not all about how bad it is for me. I, a pet peeve of mine is seeing an angler way in and it's just all negative. Yeah. You know, even when they catch them pretty decent, you know, oh, I just really sucked it up today. I didn't catch for 31 pounds tomorrow. I got to execute a little better. And I'm like, seems a little ungrateful. Now that's just me. You know what I mean? I mean, I've had nine pounds before and been happy because I knew how bad I sucked all day, <laughs> but I'm thinking how hard is it just to be, a little bit appreciative of something and a little less negative about the others. Cause most of the time people don't want to hear that anyway. It, it's weird because uh, like when you said that, what goes through my mind is one line that I hear all the time on the stage where I'll say that you got them great day one, you know, 20 pounds, 18 pounds, 30 pounds. I don't, it doesn't matter where we are. I'm saying you did your job today. And the answer you'll get most times is, yeah, you know what, Dave, but, uh, on this body of water, you got to catch them every day. Well, here's press clipping number one. You got to catch them every day on every body of water. <laughs> but you so, just uh, did step number one out of a yeah. four step to win. And I'm like, I think you see it probably more than anybody is like, where's the, why are some anglers not appreciative? It, it, even not, not in a boastful way, but just to say, Hey, Dave, I got, I got, I got lucky today, bro. Got blessed, stumbled around a little bit, got a few things going. Hey man, I'm excited. Things could have been worse. You rarely. And I'm always wondering why anglers shy away from the truth on stage. What's wrong with just saying I got lucky. I mean, I married Lulu. Good God. I got lucky. Yes, you, know? you did. Yeah. So you just say, there's been times on stage when you ask me something, and I, I'm like, Dave, I, I just got lucky. I don't have a clue, but I don't want to just make up some story and not tell the truth. It is what it is. I, I hustled, and I, I, like everybody said, well, man, I'm just out there working hard. Hey, hey, bro, everybody here is working hard. I didn't see anybody eating Twinkies, Ding Dongs, and Little Debbies at lunch today. Every angler in the elite is a grinder so there's no need to say well i'm just out there putting my head down and working hard well everybody else is too it's got to be more into it than that you know you either you figure a little something out be appreciative i, I wonder sometime if we did more of that if it wouldn't attract the positive from all around or are we teaching younger generations college and high school to be the same even when things are good to seem unappreciative i don't know I, I I agree with you. Like I, I think real is the best thing anybody can be nowadays. Like, I think that's the one thing that's been proven. Like if you look at the one thing that social media and live and all these different things have given us is you can't be a character. It gets exposed. You know what I mean? Like you have to yeah. be real, but I feel like a lot of anglers still play a character on stage. You know what I mean? Like that they, they are checking boxes, you know, that when they, but 
and I've used this, I've used this example a bunch of times. I don't even know if you've ever heard me use it, but I'm like, and not everybody's Gerald Swindle. I get that, you know, but, but everybody is Takumi Ito. Yeah. And and it, the reason everybody loves Takumito because it's real. Everybody thinks the same things he says. Like the first time you take the elite an elite series event, I'm sure everybody looks in there and says, "Oh, I'm leading," but they don't say it on the mic. Takumi does, you know. And and, and, I'm, not, and I'm like, what's wrong with that? He's showing passion, and he didn't have to go in any character. But I think sometimes when I tune in and watch a little YouTube stuff of fishing, you see people play that character. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if, this, if our younger generation sometimes don't watch YouTube a lot and say, okay, when I'm on fishing or I got the mic or I'm on live, it's character time. Because I've seen guys even fishing local tournaments down here that are YouTube guys, and they'll be standing at the ramp talking to me perfectly normal. And then they turn their camera around and are like, hey, guys, welcome to the channel. I'm like, hey, hey, we just went to acting school. Like it just, everything changed. And I'm like, where did where did you go? Why, why can't you be you in front of that camera? You're still going to get the subscribers. People are still going to watch for the information. But is that something that's being taught? Because I see exactly what you say. The character comes out, and I'm like, what's wrong? Cliff Pace and I had a very interesting talk one time, and you know you work with Cliff a lot. Cliff is a really funny, good dude. Yeah, but He's very intimidating, and he's very serious, and sometimes he almost comes across straight grumpy. And him and I were talking, and he said, gee, I just don't know what to do. And I said, Cliff, you ever thought about being just who you are? And he said, what's that supposed to mean? And I said, just tell him you're a backer-chewing redneck from Petal, Mississippi, and you're the Picasso of lead. You can carve anything. You don't know really what to say, but if you need a jig made, I can make it. I said, try that one time. Because I said, guess what? There's a whole bunch of backer-chewing rednecks from Petal, Mississippi that's going to say, that's my guy right there. Yeah. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Say who you are. Say what you do. What are you good at? You're good at making baits. Tell the world who you are. Don't tell the world who you think they want you to be or who you want. Like, this is who y'all want me to be. Tell them who you are. You know, if you don't know what to say, say, hey, I ain't no good on camera, Dave. You're going to have to help me, bro. And guess what? There's going to be a lot of people says, I like that guy because I'd be the same way. I, I wouldn't know what to say. I'd have to ask Dave to help me through the interview. They can relate. And when people can relate to you, I think that's when the fan base starts booming. I think people ask questions like, how do you, how do you get a fan base? I think people have to relate to you. I think Michael Waddell's done it in the hunting industry better than anybody I've ever seen. Staying true to who he was. Yeah. Never did anything spectacular. He's just real. It is what it is. And I think that's why people are so like in like just intrigued to be around him because they can't believe that anybody's just just real. And I'm like, I admire that. He just showed me like, hey, dude, you can just be who you are. And you try, like I, I you know, I've sit through a lot of classic speeches and I hear you do things. And this is, this won't be for everybody on the podcast. And maybe you fish a different tour. Maybe, maybe it's the NPFL, maybe it's whatever else. But I've heard Dave and even the guys at JM talk to guys about when you get on stage, kind of be ready, kind of be ready. And you'll, you'll actually try to, you know, hey, just, you know, listen to what people say in front of you. Try not to repeat this, but it's like it just goes out the window. And I'm thinking, if you and I were a sponsor and we're sitting in an auditorium and all these people are weighing in and 50 guys come across the stage, you and I are built the way that whoever stands out the most is probably who I'm going to remember. Yeah. So you see people now that, like, I, I've had some older anger say, I, I still know if I like that Matt Robinson. He's, Why? Well, he's hurting fishing. No, no, he ain't hurting fishing. Well, he's hurting us. No, no, he ain't hurting me at all. 
He ain't hurting me at all. I said, but what he is, he's brave enough to be who he is. And I said, I think what you're mad about is you got a redneck from Kentucky with a bad mullet that's probably going to end up making a whole lot more money than any of y'all because he's not afraid to take a chance and be who he is. Now, does he walk the line and does he cross the line? Everybody does. Everybody at one time, you and I have done it. We're the world's worst sometimes to try to push the envelope. And if you do that enough, you're going to eventually cross the line and have to apologize at some level. But I like what he does because it didn't affect me. But somebody out there likes that. And for the, all the people that was like all the naysayers about him, I'm watching a college football game this year and up in the crowd, just random crowd as it pans around, there's an on them hat. Think about that. You seen any other anglers hats and ever their name on it? Mm -mm, but you seen an on them. Yeah. You know why? Because he made a difference. Somebody liked that. So I think for people who wonder how to get started, I don't think, I don't think, now I think he's slick like a gray fox. I do think he comes across and plays like, oh, but I, I don't think he's got a marketing degree, but I don't think he's afraid to say, hey, I'm Matt Robson. This is who I am. Live in a trailer, drove a truck with 300,000 miles. Here I am. I, I agree with you. I think he's a lot smarter than people give him credit for, number one. And number two, I think you don't need a marketing degree to be able to read people. Some people are just great. I mean, I think Matt Robertson would have been a great promoter in a Like you put him in any other area and it worked, but it's because he's, he's unapologetically himself. You know what I mean? And there's some people who'll be like, no, that's a character, but there's a bunch of people who are like, no, that's my neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. That's when I'm around him. They're like, is he really like it? And I'm like, yeah, bro. He is. I said the first classic he ever came to, he showed up in a fur coat. Nobody knew him. I said, I sit on the bus, but we rode the bus to the boatyard then, and, and he's sitting by me, and I'm trying to get to know him. I try to make a little effort to shake the guy's hands that I don't know, get to know, congratulate him, because going to the Classic is a big deal. And he's like, I'm talking to him. And I'm like, so, man, you you driving a Toyota? You taking your truck to the Coliseum? And he's like, no, man. He said, I got an old Ford diesel with 300,000 miles and a power steering broke. He said, you had to yoke it all the way around. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, shit, I like you. I like you because there's a lot of my buddies that can relate a 300,000 mile truck. He didn't hide it. He said, I'm throwing a spinner bait on some line. I got in a sale bin at Walmart. He said, I got like 8,000 yards for $4. And I'm like, I, I feel where you're coming from. But I think a lot of people are a little bit scared of that because it's, it seems a little in your face. Yeah. He hurting anybody. You know, I've had guys say, you think he's going to set the sport back? No, no, I don't. And there's like, well, he fished in his underwear. I said, agree with it or disagree with it. That's not for me to say. But I said, when he shows up with a $50,000 underwear sponsor, I'm going to look at y'all and give you the wink. I said, because <laughs> trust me, that's how that, I said, look, guys, I'm with dude wipes. I know just how fast something can change. You know, a company that just found you off a video and said, hey, we're, we're into wiping butts. And this guy's talking about doing a maintenance wipe. I've been with them. <laughs> almost 13 years now. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at on them and thinking this is one of those guys who is going to land a lot of big sponsors because companies want to be tied to that as, as many as you think would be reserved. So I don't know. I think thinking the fishing industry, people can, they grow to what they relate to. You know, I think that's why your show, like when I watched your show, it was, it's extremely successful, but I can relate to it. 
you're not in a pit somewhere just jamming on 10 pounders. You're Dave being Dave. If you catch a two pounder, if you don't catch any, you show it. And I've always liked like watching your show. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to see a physical wreck or you wreck them. You know what I mean? And I, I like the suspense of that. It, it's more relatable to how I fish. It's real. It, it, you know, it, trust me, if I was a better angler, I would love to, <laughs> to catch him every some week. Some days may be good, some days may be shit. I don't know. <laughs> I no, it's, that, it's I think true. that's what your show told people. Like, you just went out and done it. I remember, I remember the old cash counting days when they would count your cash, you know, and you'd be like at cash 400, and you're like, I ain't had a bite. And I'm like, hey, that was me last week, and I paid $5,000. I think... People are so scared to expose failure from what I see. And I see it. What brings it like really to my forefront right now, Dave, is like deer hunting. And I always tell people deer hunting, bass, boobs, and bucks bring out the worst in most. If you want to know if a guy's any good, just mix them three up in him. And if, he, if he's going to go sideways, those three is going to be involved. And I see people deer hunting that are terrified to ever say, well, I missed. Or I went hunting and didn't shoot a giant. And like TV shows have trained them to think, oh, we should shoot at these giant bucks, you know? Really? I mean, I, I don't see, but like one giant every three or four years. But I, I think TV has made people think you should never own up to missing. You should never own up to sitting a tree stand up in a bad place or making a mistake. I see that in the hunting industry so bad, and there ain't even cameras around where I'm at. It's just boys, buddies hunting together. And you're like, did you shoot? No, I ain't shot. I ain't shot nothing. You look down at their bow and there's like arrows, three arrows with dirt all over them and broke. And I'm like, well, what happened? I, I fell walking in. No, you missed three times. But why are we as, as humans and competitors, Dave, you think so afraid to own up to failure? What, I mean, what, what triggers that? I don't know. I, I mean, that's what I've been thinking while you're talking. Like, is it from sponsors? Is it from, I, honestly, I think if you really think about it, it goes down to the, one of the single worst things that is when that has the worst name, social media, everything about it is antisocial, but it's not about like, nobody wants to hear. And I, when I'm talking to you, I have to be realistic because they do hear everything from you and see everything from you. But you know what I mean? I think the average person feels like they only want to see me eating a gourmet meal <clears throat> on the top of some hotel in Vegas. When the truth is they just want to see, who you really are, but, but it takes, it takes a big set of nuts to walk out there and be like, yeah, this is who I am. And, and sometimes it sucks, but you know, it's I part of, that, I think you summed it up. I think the hardest thing is letting your guard down and knowing, Hey, I'm going to be very vulnerable when I go out on this and do this, I'm not going to be accepted. But I think if, if anybody's listening and if you think that you, all you're looking for is justification and, some type of well feeling, great feeling over social media, get off of it. Don't do it because it's people have that keyboard and jealousy is brutal. So where they oh. write it because it, it negativity towards you because they're jealous or they don't like you, but don't, don't post something seeking approval from who you post it to post it because this is who I am. This is what I do. And I am damn proud of it. You don't have to like it. I, I mean, people write ugly things. I'm not going to turn you into Facebook. I don't care. I mean, yeah. it's your opinion, but I, people don't are so scared of that. I think you summed it up and you're like, they sit back and they think, what do they want to hear? Well, 
Tell him you didn't have no food in the cabinet tonight and y'all heated up beanie weenies on a daggum propane stove and this is dinner tonight. You're probably going to find out there's a lot of people eating beanie weenies on a propane stove. It's like, I like this guy. Yeah. Don't worry about, I think when I finally got the the guts to just say, I'm not going to hide nothing. This is who I am. Now it comes with, you'll get some backlash, but it doesn't even phase me. I don't even, I don't even care anymore. I'm like, you know what? There's people on Facebook don't love Jesus. So they ain't gonna love me. And he ain't done nobody. So if you think you're gonna go on Facebook and never get a negative comment wrong. And if you think you're ready to take a let, get on TikTok because they brutal. <laughs> they brutal. <laughs> but it's, um, I think social media wants people to paint this picture. You, you ever see, you don't hardly ever see many guys at the end of the day holding up two 10 inches, like that, that whole hero shot that I hate in fishing where they get like 19 fish and hang on every finger and get in the back of the boat. And I'm like, so you hauled them around all day long and killed them three big ones so you can get 200 likes on Instagram. I mean, you'll never see no guy holding up two 10 inches. Why? Because he's afraid that they would make fun of him. So you want to be accepted. You'll take this risk and do this absurd shot to be accepted. Be who you are. Then you ain't got yeah. to fake it when you meet them. You know, and I was talking to Waddell about that. And he said, what made you ever come to the conclusion just to do that? And I was like, Michael, I thought if I had some character, I couldn't ever live up to it. And when I finally met people, it's going to be disappointing. And I said, I'm so weird and thinking that I thought if I'll just be who I am, they'll be disappointed now and they won't be disappointed when they meet me. You know, so like, <laughs> there's nothing to hide. So like when people walk up to me and I'm man, I really like you. I want to hug them and say, well, hell yeah, you must. If you still like me, you like me, you know. Don't build a character that you can't live up to there because you're going to disappoint them. Just be who you are. That way, no matter who you meet, you, they're not disappointed. They're going to like, on them. If you meet on them, he's on them. I've had people ask me all the time, is Zona crazy? Yep, Zona's crazy. Mercer's crazy on stage? Yep, he's crazy. You won't be disappointed. Then I've had people ask me about other anglers. Like, what's he like? I'm like, yeah, a little, 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 little out there. You know, it's a character. You know, so you have to be, to me, it's like, it's just easier to live knowing I have, I'm, there's no expectation. Yeah. And I think the weird thing is how everyone searches for the negative now. Like I literally saw a video over the holidays where these kids saved a dog that fell through the ice. I mean, everybody's seen a video like that. They, 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 they had the scarf and you know, they got, the, they made a human chain. It was a beautiful video that saved the dog's life. And I just started reading the comments and dude, three comments in it changed to this was set up. They're just trying to get clicks. Um, then there was other people that were like, what the hell was with the kid holding the phone? Why weren't you in there helping? Well, I mean, only so many people can go on the ice number one, but it's just like, why are you searching? People the world searching is searching for, for something wrong with everything they see. It seems. Yeah. And they're, they're searching for a reason to write something negative. And you have to understand people who get on a keyboard and consciously think out negative things to start typing they're, they're wired different. Yeah, they're wired different. Like you, you, so no matter what you do, you're gonna they're still gonna write something negative. But it's just a shame that no matter what you see, I seen it, it was last year sometime when we uh, one of the mass shootings in a mall, somebody broke out a gum and broke out, and this guy's 22, 23 year old. He was with his girlfriend. He seen it go down. Whether you like it or not, he takes his pistol out. He takes aim. He kills the shooter at like forty yards with a pistol, and no one else was injured. And I'm like, you know, it's a pretty stand-up thing. This guy puts his life, he charges the gunman, takes care of this. Whether people say, I say, take all the gun laws out. Just take all the politics out. Here's a guy faced with a decision. Watch people die, take a chance of dying, but eliminate the threat. He, when the bell rung, he answered it. 
And the very next morning on The View, the people was like, well, I think he should face charges because he illegally had the gun in the mall. No, he didn't. You know what I'm thinking? That's all you can come up with after. like So that's that mentality of let's find the negative and everything. I'm looking at that going, that's what's wrong with the world. You know, he answered the bail. Yeah. He's the hero. There's nothing negative to say, you know, and I'm like, I just, that's the part that bothers you. So you, you see how extreme that is like saving the dog. It doesn't get any better of a heartwarming. That's like a Hallmark story. Yeah. People say negative things about that. When you're in the fishing world, get ready, bro. They're going to click you with it. Don't <laughs> let it affect you. Just don't let it affect you. Continue to be you. And I think that's the first thing when people's like, Hey, I'm going to kind of let my guard down and be who I am. And the first bad comment to get like, I'm not ever doing that again. Can't do that. Can't do that because if they're writing that negative stuff about you, they're probably not one of your true fans anyway. Yeah. And, and they want you to react. I mean, that is the truth. Like if anyone's ever reacted, I mean, it's generally positive. Number one, they are amazed that you reacted and, and yeah. say, Oh, I didn't think you read this. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've had it happen a few times where people have said, and normally like on a negative stuff, I don't ever really ever say anything. Like if someone says something like really outlandish about Leanne and it's usually about her deer hunting or like, blah 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 she didn't you know she killed a deer and they're like oh i remember the first time i hunted in a high fence so they're making a, a statement saying that leanne hunts in a high fence and we just got all this money so i'm like i had to go in there and i'm like hey bro we're not in a high fence it's 200 acres that we have leaves she hunted by herself and the guy's like oh man i'm sorry i didn't think anybody ever read this i'm like then why did and i text her, i was like why did you write it i'm like jealousy doesn't look good on you when you're getting beat by a five 115 pound blonde you don't wear it well just celebrate. I mean, I'm like, I don't get that. You talk trash about me, but I'm like, so like, I'm, I'm real conscious now. Like, I don't know that I've ever, I did write one negative comment in my life on a YouTube video. That's the only negative comment I've ever wrote. And it was on Randy Blockers. What did you write? You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an idiot. I mean, but I don't write negative stuff. It's not, I don't do that. But after watching so many of his, I'm like, dude, you're just an idiot. You, you, you are, you are tearing down a lot of good stuff and you're an ambulance chaser. You're just jumping on the high road or whatever's clicking and try to get some views. Don't don't like he, he just gets so far out there. I'm just like, I couldn't even read no more. You know, it, his take on the opens. Oh my God. You stole the working man's dream. No, you didn't. The working man can still make the Bassmasters Classic, which the last time I checked was the biggest working man's dream out there. Making the elites may not be your dream. It may be a nightmare if you don't if you're not ready for it. But Bass didn't take that from you. Bass still give you a, a the 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 highway to the classic still there. Dave Mercer will weigh you in in the biggest fishing arena in the world if you win one. We didn't take that from you. What they did is they tried to find the best of the best in the world who want to go fish the elites. Like it or not, that's what they've done. So I'm like, why are you so mad? They didn't take your dream. You know? It's easier to get traffic that way. I mean, uh, and I've it, well, straight up asked Bob that many times. It, it, like, yeah, it how gets much of this is real? Because the, the, they just want that. You know what I mean? Like, the, there's, there's people that comment on this show that you can tell are listening to the gospel of Randy Blockett. You know what I mean? Because they say the same things, forward-facing sonar and everything. Like, it's the devil, but... Why argue about it? I, I have people <laughs> like, 
they're like, well, Ford pieces. And dude, I can, and it's so funny. There's been times this winter where I posted like, hey, I'm in a tree eating pine cones because I forgot my lunch. I can't believe you have four face and sonar. I'm like, well, okay. It has nothing to do with this post. You know, and like the next post is like, you're not a fisherman. If you use forward face and sonar. Okay. I get it. You don't, but like every competitor can have it, but yet you want to judge the people that do have it. Randy, you're just not thinking you're, you're like, well, I just don't want it. You can get it. You can afford it. Remember you're getting all the clicks. You can get nine of them if you want. You refuse to lose, you refuse to use it, stand on that crutch and say, well, I just don't believe in it. Well, if we all felt like that, uh, you know, Taku would just run away with every tournament. But people looked at that and said, hey, this guy's got like 19 graphs on there. And if it made him a better fisherman, and until it becomes illegal, you're going to do what your competitors do. If you go to NASCAR, everybody tries to get the fastest parts. But I have never seen so many people go lose their mind over a Garmin Lyoscope or forward fracing sonar. And I'm like, guys, I got trail cameras all over the South and I get pictures of big deer. And when I walk out in the woods, I can't whistle and they fall down. Just because you see them don't mean you can kill them. Just because you can see a fish doesn't mean you can catch him. So just because Garmin sent me a unit and I installed it at Hennessy Outdoors, the live wells don't have hydraulics on there where they just come up and the fish fall in there. It, it don't work that way. It's still an art of using it. It is a necessity in the battle of tournament fishing, but I have never, like people have lost their mind about forward-facing sonar. And I'm like, if you just knew how well the fish have adjusted to it and seen some of the stuff that oh. I've seen lately, you would realize forward-facing sonar will always be important, but it won't be as important as it was the first year it really come out. Everybody's got it. The fish are adjusting, but... I mean, I, I, why, why does somebody like Randy take a stand on that? What, what, what is it accomplishing? I, 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 this whole time, and I, I've said this to Randy. I know there's somebody out there. There has to be a group of people out there that when he filled his boat full of water and got under a bridge and did something that other people were not willing to do to win a tournament, there was people that were like, that's wrong. When he used chainsaws to get into air, you know what I mean? So I don't understand how this guy who proved that he was willing innovative. to do what other people don't do. He innovative, find ways to win. And now one of the most innovative, do you think, do you think that this outcry has more to do with the technology or more to do with the time in mankind where everybody has a voice? I think it's, I think you've got two points right there. I think it is a time and a place where everybody's got voice but it's also a time and place where people can get paid to have a yeah. negative. So would he make more money being positive or negative? So in his situation, no matter what nobody says, the truth is he's going to make more by being negative because he gets the clicks. He can't, you can't, nobody can compete with some of the Googans or Scott Martin's YouTube channel. Like if you're trying to go for those numbers, off their off how they set their program up it's really hard to get those numbers i mean you you and i both hustle at youtube and i and i'm up to about sixty thousand subscribers i'm like hey i'm doing pretty good i make my money on facebook but like for him he's depending on uh, youtube is a, is a pretty good income so you, you go super negative you get the clicks so it's almost like the money drives the the, the greed or drives the negativity where if you could make that much money being positive, I don't know. I'm like, I see that. And I'm like, I know the only reason he does this is, is for negativity and to 
lash out at every organization. And I'm just like, you can't say how much you love bass and then say how much they screw things up. That you can't do that in the same sentence, man. You know, it just that that bothers me. And it may, maybe it bothers me because I got a little chip on my shoulder because I fish bass. Have I seen bass make mistakes? Absolutely. Do I still think they run one of the top organizations in the country? Absolutely. Do I think they're striding to make it better? Absolutely. Do you and I always agree with like each step? Probably not. You know, you look at it and say, I might not agree with that, but let's let it play out. Everybody, he he was just rock solid that that open move was going to kill everybody. Yeah. And I look at him, there's 175 plus guys signed up to fish all nine. And you know what I tell everybody? I said, the guys in the elites, including myself, better put your seatbelt on. Yeah. When those seven come in, they're going to bring it because you got the best of the best who proved they went around the, the country. And I know what guys say, well, man, I don't have the time and the money. Well, if your goal was to make the elites in 2023 and you had to fish in 2022, if you didn't have nine weeks of vacation in 2022, you're probably not going to have it in 2023. So let's, let's be realist that if you make it, you have to know that you're going to have to have that kind of time off. So maybe they're setting it up to get these guys that can can get their travel arrangements, who can start their marketing now. What I like about it, Dave, is I'm seeing young guys like dig in marketing. Even yeah. my, my nephew and I, I'm seeing a couple of younger guys that, I, that I'm like talk with a lot in that. They're hustling, man. They're out there right now blowing up TikTok, trying to figure out a way. To, and I'm like, that's what Bass wanted. They wanted Dave Mercer to be able to tell a story about you when you get there the world will know who some of them young cats are when they walk on stage. And that's where the superstardom comes from. That's how you start mega rolling a, uh, the fan base. So I think it's a little uncomfortable at first. It's going to be uncomfortable for us because when they get there, they're going to paddle our ass. And I'm, I mean, I'll be one of them that gets paddled. And I know what guys say, them young as ain't going to beat me. Well, yeah, they are. It's a, this a different generation. I had this discussion with an MLF anger. said, he asked me, he said, what, what was the biggest thing you learned you know, when you went back to bass, did you see much change in your fishing? And I said, I've seen a lot more younger guys, a lot more advanced than what we were able to accept. Like I would have not necessarily believed it was that much until I went back and competed that year and watched them competed against them. And then you're like, Hey, this, this generation here is legit. May not yeah. recognize their name now, but they are doing everything right. So I said, I think as a competitor, I might have undersold just how good some of those young guys were to you fish against them. And now I'm the first to give them their props. You know, I'm I'm not going to hide from it. You know, if Kyle Welcher paddles you, hey, hey, bro, you brought it. You know, and I like to, as a competitor, I like to see that, Dave. It's, it's I, I think it's a great thing for the sport. I think it blows me away because it's one of the, I mean, Bass makes money. They're a money-making venture. Don't get them any different than any other company, but, but the nine anglers, the nine events, and that is one of the things that Bass did literally to make it better for the anglers. You, you know what I mean? Because everybody talks about, well, they've taken away the dream, but what about all the dreams that were taken away prematurely because people got there prematurely? Like there's been a lot fit. of great anglers make the elite series because they had three good events in a region close to their house and they make the elite series and then they come there and it's, it's just a snowball and they keep getting yeah. beaten. That first few events don't go well. It doesn't get easier on the elite series. I know mathematically it seems like it should, but it doesn't. It doesn't. But I think, I think by putting those guys in the game too early, you, you can mess their confidence up. Yeah. And they can 
the next biggest superstar out there. But once you rattle our confidence, there's a reason why if you're a major league baseball player or minor league and you get pulled up to the majors or your your high school, your college, and you get to so they sign you to go to the majors, you don't pitch that day. You go to the minors for a year or two just to make sure mentally you where you need to be so you don't get damaged. So I'm like, I, I looked at that. This was the step Bass was making so that when we get there, we, we have protected you. We have taught you a, a way to market yourself. There's a story to tell. We're trying to, I said, if people would just look at it, and I know what they, people say, well, the payout in the opens ain't that good. Well, they never have been that good, okay? So that, that didn't change this year. You don't, you don't fish the opens to get rich in the payout. You fish the opens to either qualify or make the classic and then hope that you can bankroll it then. It's like you don't go fish three opens and think I'm gonna make two or three hundred grand in winnings. You don't do that. And I said, even when you get to the elites, you should never depend on your winnings to try to survive. I've done it in my early career. I had to, Dave, but it's not a pleasurable experience to know if you don't get a check, you don't pay the house payment. Try to get that out of the way before you get there. And if Bass can help you get that level without you even knowing it, when you get there, you will perform at a different level. Your career may be longer than you ever expected. But I do think there was guys who made the elites in the past that fished three tournaments and didn't have no, they had never even intended to make the elites. They just had three great tournaments. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I got a decision to make. I think the guys that you see signed up the 175 or whatever it is plus, every one of them want to be in the elites next year. Yeah. So you ain't got to worry. When they get there, they're going to go best foot forward. Here we go. You know, and I think that's how we're going to create the stoutest fishing program in the world. So when I take a lot of pride in being able to say, these are the top 100 anglers in the world. And I do feel like the way that system is, they're setting it up so that top 100 can be qualified as some of the top 100 anglers in the world. They earned their right to be there 100%. What was it like coming back to the Elite Series? I don't think I've ever asked you, like, was everybody welcoming or was there some animosity? And I'm not looking for you to name names or anything, but I just, it had to be a different experience. Like, how do you go from being G to going away to being the new guy? <laughs> I don't, it was, it was a little different, man. When I, when I come back, I didn't know, you know, normally I'm not a guy that looks for like that. I don't know, approval or satisfaction, but like when I got back the first year, it was a little different. You know, I could feel some resentment and, um, uh, actually Dave, you were super nice to me. You, we did what we normally do. You come up there and said, Hey, I miss you, bro. I knew you'd be back. And we just laughed about it. And then you never was not Dave. Like it, it was always Dave Mercer that I knew. I think there was a little bit of other stuff that you could tell there was some resentment, you know, and I'm like, I, I can't make it any better. I made a bad decision and I'm back. You know, I didn't change. I'm not a bad person, but I, I did this. So I just have to live with it. And, it, and it's like the younger guys. And I asked Wes Logan about this one time. I said, dude, when I stand in the back line, so I said, not none of these younger guys will even look at me. I said, they don't even look at me or speak to me. I said, I think they hate me. And he looked at me, started laughing. He said, they don't hate you, bro. He said, they're scared of you. He said, they're intimidated. And I'm like, what? And it may, it actually, in a way that made me feel a lot better that he's seen it as in, it's more of a, it's more of a respect factor. Not, I shouldn't say intimidating it, like, but he was saying it like that. It's like, they just, they've watched you their whole career. And yeah. they about so he said, just give it time. And then the next year it got better. And I thought, man, what, what, that was some really peaceful words. Cause I'm like, surely to God, all you young cats don't hate me. Y'all don't even know me, you know, but 
now it's like it's not in that first year was a, a few bumps in a row which uh we expected that uh it was so nice though to get back and fish in that in tournament environment that i like you know i like the stage i like being weighed in by david mercer i like the checkout period i like the check-in period i like the whole structure of bass i really missed it so that part was watson you want to say hey to dave mercer hey hey Hey, you see that watchdog? So, yeah. So, like, I think it took a little adjustment, and I think Leanne noticed it. We laughed about it. She said, they, they look at us like me and you are Denny and Shirley Breyer from back in the day. She said, we're the old people. I'm like, we're not that old. We're, like, 51, and they're like, well, they think we're Denny and Shirley. They're looking at us like. <laughs> but, hey, it's a new generation, you know, and I and, and the same, I learned to give a lot of respect to guys. Uh, you, you, you learn to, like, really watch their fishing and say, I respect what this guy's doing. There's yeah. some really good young anglers. One of the coolest things that nobody gets to see that I really went out of my way to ask when you came back, when Paul Nick came back, when Hackney, it, the list goes on and on. Christy, every one of them that has made the trip back. And I, I've asked them straight, and this isn't on a microphone or anything, and I'm like, what do you think of Greg Hackney coming back to the Elite Series? What do you think of Gerald Swindle? And one of the coolest things is every single one of them was like, I cannot wait. And, and, you know, as a tournament angler, tournament anglers are famous for making the decision that helps them. You know what I mean? Like if, if the weather's bad and you can't get to your fish, you're more apt to say you should cancel today. But if you can get to your fish, you're like, it's fine. Let's go. It's fine. But every single one of them said to me, man, I, I grew up watching these guys, these are the reason Gerald Swindle's the reason I'm doing what I do. That's who I watched. And when I got here, I never got a shot to fish against G. You know what I mean? Because he was gone by that point. So it is cool to see it from both ends. You know what I mean? The respect that the older anglers have towards the new guys and vice versa. It's 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 a very cool environment. I wasn't that was a piece that I, I didn't know. Like when I come back, I didn't really know how to accept it. And then and I kind of just after talking to Wes and then getting to know some of you. And dude, I've had I've had more fun coming back and getting to know, you know, Kyle Welcher, really getting to know Carl Johnson. Like I've always known Carl, but coming back, I got Carl and I've gotten really close. Getting to know Josh Douglas, it's almost like it's refreshed my career. Because there was a certain point when you fished with the same guys for so long, you knew who was negative, you knew who was this. You like you, you just kind of got. You don't want to say boring, but it didn't. There was no way to refresh that. It, it is what it is. So coming back, I'm learning. I, I got to know Gussie, like, and I watched what he's doing. And like this whole thing is like super refreshing to me, and it actually puts that fire in me to learn more techniques, to learn more. So I think. Me coming back was a great move for my career, but also me coming back was a great move for me personally to learn to be a better fisherman because I got to learn from younger guys. I got to get that enthusiasm back. I got to try to see Carl Jockson out hustling and him and I holding each other accountable and practice like, you know, hustle. So I think to me, it was almost like a reset in my career to start all over. And, and I, I, I've enjoyed that part. Are you different now? Do you feel like, I feel like if you I look, through, I, am. If, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm a. I, I so, say, I think, yeah, I think uh, beat the crap out of my microphone for no particular reason. Every once in a while, I just you just start karate chopping. <laughs> That's the medicine I called it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm more mature as a uh, fisherman now. I think I'm uh, 
I actually think sometimes I'm maybe a better fisherman mentally, you know, even though, you know, like my knees may hurt or something, I may not be able to cast quite as accurate as I used to, but mentally, I think I'm, I'm more understand the game and how to play it at that level. Uh, so yeah, I do feel like I'm a little bit different. I'm getting a lot better about just trying not to let anything bother you. Like it, it is what it is. We're going to have a tournament. Don't, don't get caught up in, there's tournament fishing and then there's tournament fishing politics and you, you got to stay out of that. This is what I want to do is in this circle, not out here. So I'm learning a lot more about that. You know, I'm here to do a job and I want to have fun doing it. And I, I enjoy getting to know the new people. And I like the fact that it pushes you, you know, it teaches you to be better. I think at anything we can get bored in our career, no matter what you're doing, I think you can get bored and you're not being the best you and one thing coming back did is it kept me from being bored anymore. Like I'm super excited to go and, and see, and, you know, just, I just like seeing the enthusiasm. When I sit down with Kyle Welcher, I'm just looking at him going, I like this guy. I mean, he's just wanting to whip everybody. And I'm like, I like that. You know, he ain't talking to negative. He's, he's learning. And I think the only way you're going to learn fishing is to be around people who challenge you to be better. Mm -hmm. I think if you fish with the same fishing partner your whole life and you know you can beat him day in and day out, you're not going to be the best who you can be. I tell people locally, say, what's one of the things I can do to get to be a better fisherman? Change fishing partners. Fish in a club. Go fish a federation where you fish with different people to challenge you to be better. Never get content with your talent and where you're at and sit on your hands. Push yourself to be better. If you think you're a great caster right-handed, master it left-handed. If you think you, you're not any good with a jig, figure out somebody that will take you jig fishing, show you what you need to do, and then learn that. And I was like, keep pushing yourself to do better. What is it about Kyle Welcher? Because I, I felt it too. Like from the first moment I got to spend any time with him. He's got it. I was like, this dude, it, like having it. a conversation with him, even before he's accomplished really anything, you know, long, big picture wise. I'm like, he doesn't think like a rookie. He doesn't like it's it's there's so much like I've heard him res respond to certain things and be like, well, why would you do that? Like, it just doesn't even make sense. Like, because you're trying to win, right? Like it, he is very different. He's got the it factor. He said something to me after Hartwell Classic last year. Uh, we were talking to his uh, wife driving to the Coliseum and him and I were, had talked a bunch at Hartwell. We kind of knew what each other was doing. And I talked to him. He said, I might have one. So when it all settled down, he didn't win. And I called him. I said, I'm calling to check on you. He said, I just want to see how you are. And he said, why? I said, well, you didn't win. And I didn't know how it was going to play on your emotions. He said, I didn't deserve to win. Wow. He said, I didn't fish the winning tournament. Jason Christie did. And I thought, that shit's strong, bro. Like, he owned what he did. He lost some fish, and he knew in his heart he didn't fish the winning tournament. And I'm like, he had no excuses. I'm like, I just, like, wrote that in my mind right then. He's got it. He's got it. When most guys would have been just distraught, he was just like, no, nope, we're going to retire. we got a couple more weeks. We'll start again. I'll fish the winning tournament. How do you, I mean, you don't see that every day. And in other sports, you do. You, I mean, if you don't see it, it, you like if Nick Saban gets up after a team, after Alabama loses and says, well, you know what? This ref shouldn't have done that. And, and, you know, so-and-so had the flu and we, no, you don't want to hear that. We got he beat. Says, we didn't do it. We we got beat. We got beat. So I think that's the thing that I, I sat back and look at. I mean, there's a few more guys like when I'm around out there, Gussie's got that. Gussie's got it in a hidden way. That's like, like 
Gus is that like so laid back. You just don't see he's a power puncher. Like he's so smooth and moving around. You're like, but he's a knockout guy. Like if he gets you cornered, he can knock you out. Gussie is got it and he keeps it hid very well. Like he just mellow with it. I agree. That's in my opinion. I mean, you you've seen him more than I have. No, no. Watched him. Like if he gets you on the ropes, Gussie can finish. Yeah. No, Gussie's it's funny because when both Johnsons and Gussie came to the elite series, obviously being a Canadian, everyone, you know, tell me about these guys and everybody kind of knew the Johnsons, but there was people that were saying, you know, well, who's Gussie. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you, give it a little time and Gussie will be your favorite. And yeah. and that isn't a slide in the Johnsons. It's just like, he's such a good person, but don't let his kindness be mistaken for weakness. Cause yeah. he can he's catch that him. guy. That should really be his slogan. Like, he just comes across so kind, but I'm like, dude, I like what he has to offer. He's got it. Never gets rattled. So I don't know. I think that's been such a cool thing to come back and see uh, and get to know some of the guys. Like you watch the Johnson brothers, nothing but respect for them. Them guys can work at it. They understand what they're doing. Like they know how to play the game. And when they get the opportunity, they, they're going to be in the top. Like they don't fumble the ball much at all. No. No, they, they don't. But but it's a weird, it's a different. Gussie's just like the Easter Bunny. Like, I feel like if he was a fighter, you know, he'd never swing hard. He'd just like pepper you with a bunch of shots. And next thing you know, you'd be like, why am I laying on the ground? I mean, we were just playing patty cake. <laughs> oh, that's a good way. He's just soft-spoken, easy going, just. But, you know, it's been cool to be back and see Polinick at this point in his career. You know, and I've often said this that in in 15 years from now, BP will be one of the greatest anglers that's ever walked. He'll be known for that. You know, his his accolades are are like undeniable, just how good he can be. And he's young, bro. Like he's young. Yeah, he's got plenty of time to run the score up and and change the record. So like. I've enjoyed being around just watching that from a distance at this point of his career. Like it just makes me smile because I'm like, I like that fire in him and he's driven, you know, and when you're watching history, if you can't respect it, then there's something wrong with you. I was there when Van Dam had his rose. I stood in the way in line by him. I watched history unfold. As bad as I hated him beating my ass, I admired what he was doing. If that makes sense. Like you watching that going, this is crazy. It's just back to back to back to back. There's no way a guy can do this. And he did it. Yeah, everyone kept saying it wouldn't keep going, and it 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 kept going. But what, as an angler, being competing with him at that time, like what, what was that like emotionally? Like it's so discouraging. People have no idea how mentally overwhelming he was on guys that you could have, you could have phenomenal tournament, and he could still beat you. You could have a phenomenal season, and he would still beat you. And so what it does, you mentally, you start thinking, if that's the best I had, and I come up that short, so it starts playing with you, like, how would I ever beat him? Like, his run was so dominant, it affected many anglers standing back there that will never talk about it. He shattered confidence when he was at his highest level. Watch what Jacob Wheeler's doing right now. Somebody said, hey, dude, what, what, what's making him? Know? I said, it's confidence, it's confidence, it's confidence. I done seen this play out. Your confidence gets so high that like Van Damme's confidence was unstoppable and he made it look easy. 
and it rattles people around them. It just truly rattles the other anglers around them. And you start thinking, will I ever be able to beat this guy? That ain't a good feeling. I don't think people even realize the dominance that like you can look at it on paper, but I remember like when I first started, I remember like introducing top tens and stuff like that. And you'd literally like when Kevin got in the top 10, you'd see the rest of the top 10, like literally go. Yeah. Great. You know, like it didn't matter if he's ninth. He was, he's in there. I, he's gonna I, beat I can remember like asking Leanne, I'm like, Hey, I'm not worried about if I made the top 10, did Kevin miss it? That's <laughs> like, when you start asking those kind of questions, you know that guy has played. Uh, he he's he's had some rent in your head, you know, and he was just such a dominant force. It was just every day, every day, day in and day out. You just like that, like he don't miss. He don't miss. And I now look back and say I witnessed a part of history that most other anglers may never see. It was spectacular standing there in line but it was almost humiliating that you could fish some days the best you ever fished and he would be 10 pounds i remember seeing him walk off the stage at old hickory back when old hickory was old hickory like it had four fish in it and if you caught two of them you won like it sucked and we fished a mega bucks there and the first day kevin like caught one fish or something for like two pounds and i remember sherry saying something to me at the back of the stage and the very next day he caught almost 27 pounds on old hickory he had three seven pounders bro he come back and made the top 10 and i'm like that ain't even it ain't even possible you know so like when you see those miraculous comebacks and just make it look so easy that's when you're just like this cat's for real you know and i, I see him brandon do that some now you're seeing other anglers do that where you're like you have to understand in the fishing world everybody has their runs everybody and Carl and I've talked about this because Carl and I spent the last couple of years talking about being consistent. And one time he talked to me about it, he said, mate, I want you to help me be more consistent. And he was very complimentary. He said, I admire the fact that even if you're not winning and threatening to win, he said, your consistency level stays right here. He said, so you, he said, even when you're not having a great year, you're just making classics. And he said, I want to be able to. So I said, Carl, the key to being consistent is not controlling your highs. It's minimizing your lows. And I was like, so all you got to do is don't quit worrying about, I need to make a top 10 or two top 10s or three top 10s. Just take that 80th and, and give me a 55th. Give me a 62nd. I said, do that for me twice in a year and I'll give you 40 more points on AOI race. And again, every time I'll put you back in the classic. So we started working like with him on like trying not to get that low. And that when you fish against some of the stuff we've seen where guys get so high, you get caught up trying to match that. You have to realize that run will eventually, it, it took Kevin's a long time to slow down. But I said, you just got to try to run under that and hold it steady. Like you can't go try to do too much at one time, you know? And I say, so one of the things we've talked about, one of the, one of the things I've talked with Carl about, I said, if I could tell you, Carl, how many, how much money I threw away on day four trying to do stupid stuff, I said, if anybody knows better than that, it's me. I said, I've been in the classic a couple of times going into day four, thinking I need to do something spectacular, be in the top 10 and go, I said, I need to do something great. I said, if I'd have just went out and done my job, I may not have won, but I scared it to death and I don't want another 25 or 30,000. I said, so look into your year like that. If you have a bad day one in the elite series, yes, it's bad. And in that way in line, it feels like you have got a 500-pound gorilla choking you because you're thinking, my season's over. I don't know what to do. I'm never going to catch up. Don't think that way. I said, Carl, all I want you to do is say, if you're 80th on day one, 
You go out on day two and you be the best Carl can be. Don't worry about getting a check. Don't look at that check line. All I want you to do, Carl, is do your job. Catch me five and move up 12 spots. I said, that sounds stupid. I said, just move into 68th. I said, but if you do that three times, now I've got you 36 classic points back. And I said, and guess what? You didn't do nothing spectacular, did you? You just done your damn job. You went and caught five bass, the biggest you could catch, put them on the scales. You advanced a little bit. I said, sometimes as anglers, when we get behind, we think, throw it all in. Here we go. Swing. And I've heard you say, guys, swinging for the fence, and that pitcher ain't even on the mound. Sometimes you don't need to swing for the fence. You need to do your job. So I think watching anglers have their highs and on these rolls, one thing that's taught me is just do your job, and, and the opportunity will change. Sometimes you can't break that. You can't break an anger on a roll. BP made it look easy, you know. And I, you can't get caught up trying to run him down because you measure your confidence. You just be the best you can be and let it take care of itself. Do, do you find yourself – I mean, you said all the top tens that you kind of threw away swinging. Do you find yourself feeling more pressure to swing? Because, dude, like – what you've accomplished in the sport, there's not a person, there's not a rookie right now. If they said, Jeannie landed and said, hey, you can have Gerald Swindle's career, win two angler of the years, you know, everything you've accomplished. But everybody just keeps bringing up an elite series trophy. Like, how much does that drive you? And what, what like, I don't want to be I a dick, it, but why have it, why hasn't it happened for you? I think I thought about it too much. It become a distraction. I think there was uh, several years of my career where I let it, creep in and I would get to a certain time it's like well this is it here it goes and I would I would push too hard or I would overthink it you know and uh it it become a deterrent more so than a goal and then all of a sudden I'm now kind of got back to reality uh that you know if you make the top 10 you know for instance at lacrosse this year I made the top 10 and I wasn't out of it it was still a chance there that ha if I put up 20 pounds I possibly could win. All right. And I run down and lockdown and I catch me 13 or 14 pounds really quick once I get there. And then I start thinking about that blue trophy. And then I start doing real dumb stuff. I'm like, well, I need to run back up, lock up, try to catch two, five pounds. I should have just stayed there and done my job and got up to 16 or 17 pounds. If you land in third, you land in third, you pick up 20 more grand and you just move up in the AOI lesson learned. When you get there, you can't most of the time making those big gambles like that's not going to pay off. You got there by doing a steady three-day job, but that blue trophy sometimes seems to circulate around in your head. And, and it, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't because it's not going to define my career, but hell I want it. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's a, you, you think about it too much instead of just saying, Hey, just do your job. I think it, it, it uh, to say it hadn't played a factor at times, but I'm, I'm very content in my career right now as far as the competitive side. If I don't never get to hold that blue trophy, it's not going to make or break how I feel about myself. I'm on, my goal is until the day that I decide I'm not ever going to fish again, my ultimate goal is I want to fish every day being the best that I can be. Now, whether that's in the money, out of the money, winning the classic, if it's winning the classic, great. But I want to make sure that when Dave Mercer calls my name and says two-time AOI from Gunnersville, Alabama, gee, man, I want to know from that time till I turn my buoy in, I was the best person and fisherman I could possibly be that day. And if I do my job and it happens, it happens. So I've really kind of come back to grips with that. And that's part of just sitting in a deer stand this year. I might like, just keep doing your job.
do your job the best you can and don't worry about it. But it, you know, people talk about it and, and they should. It's it's sports. It's it's just it's statistics. It's what people talk about. But, you know, I say I'm just going to keep plugging and roll. I know I know if I if I do hold the blue trophy, I know somebody be just as happy as I would. And I'm talking to him. Oh, dude, I would. Ball there like there a will be a party on that stage, you know, and it's uh, it's just fun to be in the top 10 and have that opportunity. I mean, I think the way in at Lake Fork this year was probably the best way in out of my career. And I've been in some super sixes and I was in the classic at Pittsburgh when Van Damme beat me by a pound. Like I've been in some exciting weigh-ins, but Lake Fork this year was epic, bro. Like you, like it, you couldn't have set that up. It was the most fun losing I'd ever had. It, why was that one so special? Do you think? It was fun. It was yeah. real. I see Pollinick smiling. Dave's laughing. I'm laughing. We're paying. We're paying uh, our respects to uh, Ray Scott. We're at a, a fabulous fishery, and we're seeing this whole thing unfold. And it just felt real, like everybody was just in it in the moment. And we knew we were chasing. We're chasing a dragon. We knew the guy was going to be hard to run down, but everybody put their best foot forward. You know, it ain't like uh, it ain't like Lee stumbled and we blew it. You know, all of us caught him. Lee just caught him better. So it was one of the funnest way in losing I'd ever been in. The crowd was into it. And I think you being Dave, some of the things that was set up and and the way Brandon responded, and it was just fun, man. I still have people talk to me about it. It's like, man, that way at the fort was like funny as crap. You know, it was good. And I'm like, I enjoy that part of it more so than the sad way. Is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and I both, trust me. <laughs> I mean, what do you think made it so special? I mean, I mean. I, I don't know. I've thought about that a lot. And that's why I asked you. Um, I think several things made it special. I think we knew what we were all seeing was special, meaning Lee to go back to back and to do what he's done. And it's easy for people to say, oh, well, of course he lives on fork and just ask everybody else who lives on whatever body of water. It ain't easy what he's done. And um, so I think that was part of it. I think another part of it was the cast of characters. You know what I mean? We just had a good group. Uh, you know what I, I feel like? Uh, and I don't know who, how it started, but it just felt like it was a good, like everybody's interaction with everybody was really positive and And the crowd was into it. Yeah. I mean, the crowd was super. It, the energy was there. And I, I think like I was feeding off the crowd, like you see that energy and then like, the next thing I know, when that, that was one of the ways when it was over, I'm walking off. I'm like, I don't want this to be over. Like, I don't want this. This was like, this was it, you know? Yeah. And that's when you know that, that, that it was, I think as the fans reacted to it, that's when I knew it was, it was a pretty good way in. Yeah. And the crazy thing is we didn't weigh one fish. No. <laughs> like that's everybody. And everybody, obviously weigh-ins being a tournament MC, I think weigh-ins are great and everything. But I also think that people come for you guys. You know what I mean? And the more of you guys that we can give. And in some ways, maybe that was one of the parts that made it special. People weren't distracted by a dude holding up some fish. And yeah. they you guys had to carry it. You know yeah. what I mean? There had to be more. But I don't know. I, think, I mean. I think the perfect formula is when people think, you know, and, and normally having a way in without a fish is very tough. It, it can be very tough because there's still – I mean, and I'm one of them. I like to see them big ones get brought out. Yeah. Like, oh, God, that's a big one. But I think bass, I tell people all the time, I say, bass provides, they build the biggest fields you can play on. 
the biggest media platform footprint in social media. They got it. I said, the anglers come in the game and they play the game. I said, when all that mixes up to make the right chicken salad, you get the best formula ever. But I said, the anglers have a responsibility to bring it, you know? And I, so like people say, well, bass built this guy or no, 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 no. They built each other. Bass just provides you the biggest field you can ever play on how you play in that field. That's up to you. And if you play the game right and you do what you're supposed to do and you're successful, then both of you grow. It looks, yeah. it looks like it's effortless, but I always tell people it's not this and this we're not enemies. Like they build the field we play on. It's just like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. They're providing you the stage, what you do with it. That's your choice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I hate when I hear articles and things where people are like, well, bass builds super. No, bass doesn't bass is a great pulpit to build it. And to do, do you, it, there's no bigger thing in fishing, but it's, the anglers have to bring it bass. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's no harder one. Field. Do you think it's harder nowadays? I know I'm interrupting you to build superstars now than it was 15 years ago, because I feel like it is. I feel like young anglers are coming in. It's like, Hey man, I want to be a superstar in a sport. I'm like, well then, then this, it's going to take a while. Yeah. It's a minimum 10 years before you think you're going to get to where you want to be, no matter how well you catch them. And the reason why is because our organization is here, but next week there's another winner somewhere yeah. else there's another winner so back when i first started we didn't have winners every weekend so like the winning of the tournament but kind of gets lasted longer right right it lasts like if you won the classic you had a whole year to ride it well yeah. in this organization you may have a classic winner here but next month you may have another championship winner another championship winner and it's all on social media so it just kind of gets start spinning around and i think it's harder to stand out. So it takes a little bit longer to build a superstar to see who's there for the taking that who's going to be there for the long haul. I, I, I feel that way. I just feel like there's so many new tournaments every week. So that's when I tell anglers focus on you, not on your win, focus on you, what you do for your sponsors, figure out a way to grow your brand. Do not depend on a tournament win to grow your brand. Cause guess what? In seven to 15 days, they're going to have another tournament and that's old news. That's old news. It's not that it ain't a great win, but it is old news at that point. They're going to be another winner, you know? So I was like, use every resource you can to grow your brand, to help your sponsors, to figure out how you can do to be relevant in the sport because holding that blue trophy only comes around. It's hard. You can ask yeah. any of the guys that held it. It's so hard to get there. But what, what I can do until then is much more important as a brand and a, for my sponsors and what I'm doing. Because I know as soon as somebody holds this blue trophy, the next week there's that blue trophy, and then here's the classic. It's spinning like this. Slow it down and do what you do. I think you do it like I watch your stuff on – you kind of got your own deal on YouTube. You got what you do. You figured out a way that Dave Mercer's relevant year-round. Yeah. And I think that way that most people do is you just do stuff. Every, you know what I mean? You just like, while there's somebody, I mean, I sat around for years wondering what is the secret code? There's no secret code to any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's you just do it. Um, but I think that the taste angler, I think it's the world. Everybody expects everything like that. Like we're so oversaturated, like, you know, like the snowstorm in Florida or, or in Buffalo a week ago, I was with somebody from Buffalo yesterday and they said to me, they said, well, I mean, it's crazy how many people died there. And I was like, 
I had not even heard of people dying in Buffalo and I live, you know, a couple hours from there, but there's 40 something people already that they found died, you know, whether they were shoveling and then got covered in snow and whatever had a heart attack or, but our world is so we get so much thrown at us. You know what I mean? Look at TikTok. look at every social media, like look at some of the under, I, I look at some of the underwater stuff that I've been lucky enough to be able to capture. And I look at some of that and I'm like, when I was a kid, that shot of the fish coming out and eating that bait, with the right music and the right voiceover, that's a freaking fishing commercial. Yep. But right now, people just absorb it, it, everything so quick and expect it so quick. Like, I, I think that you get a lot of people who are like, well, why haven't I? I need to be a superstar. Well, do you know where Gerald Swindle was three years into his career? Nowhere near being a superstar. And I don't know why you expect that you should you be. You tell guys, like, it's a, it is a 10-year process to get where you where you think you need to be at to to uh, actually to take a deep breath where you can say, okay, I'm starting to make some progress. And then the problem is the sport changes. So you're continuously trying to either reinvent your brand or, or reinvent how to stay relevant or studying different social platforms so you're not left behind, learning to use front sonar so you're not left behind instead of fighting it. Say, hey, I'm going to buy me one of them things and I'm going to try it, you know? Uh, I think that's the continuation of fishing that, that as you get older, I know I have to like push myself, like don't ever just turn the blind. It, I ain't doing that. That's still, no, no. If, it, if it's something to do with fishing, I'm going to try to learn it. I'm not ever going to be stubborn enough to say, I, I'm not ever going to do that. Is there a product or a technique or something that happened and came where you learned from that? Oh yeah. You know, like something oh, you were like, I'm not doing that. And then three years God, later, I used like, to, I, I used done that. I used <laughs> to would not throw any type of stick bait or when the Cinco first come out, you know, and then zoom come out with the zoom slinky. I'm like, man, God, I just rather just take a beating. Well, you did, you did. <laughs> so now I will tie one on. I mean, there's been some techniques that I thought, I mean, I thought it for all it was worth. Cause I just didn't really enjoy it. And I thought, Hey, you don't enjoy getting whooped neither. So learn it. I think you have to, as anglers, we are the world's worst sometimes to say, we're just, we don't want to do something. Yeah. I don't want to fish that way. I have guys tell me, well, I don't want to fish that way. Well, you think in tournaments, a lot of time I'm fishing the exact way I want it to. Mm -mm. You fish the way the fish wants you to. And then you make yourself like it. See, it's a little different. It's, <laughs> it's a relationship that they have all the control over. So like, I don't necessarily get to pick my technique. You know, you let the, the fish kind of tell you that, but I, I have learned a lot in the last four or five years. Don't, don't fight certain techniques, learn it, you know, and there's so much of this, uh, you know, you see people doing a Demiki rig and I used to, you know, you've heard me just joke about the Demiki rig. It's because I really wouldn't take a lot of time to learn it. And now that I've took time to learn it some, you see the strength of it. So I'm learning from that mistake going, Hey, before you rule it out, you know, you might joke about it a little bit, but go out on the lake and learn how to use it. I wonder if that's the evolution of our sport. Like, cause if you compare it to other sports, I mean, professional fishing is very young in its evolution. Like if you compare it to golf or anything like that, we're talking about sports that have been more than double its existence, but you don't ever hear a golf pro say, man, I just, I won't chip. I do not chip. It's not part of my, like you may hear a golf I pro says I'm free base cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's <laughs> if it's my birthday, but I, I see what you're saying. I, I think early on in my career, I seen guys make a living and make it look easy. I was around when Denny Breyer had this run that you wouldn't forget, and he wouldn't put down a flipping stick. And I'm like, hey, 
So it almost became like, well, do I pattern my career after that? And then you've seen the evolution come in. You're like, no, 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 no. Then you look at how many tournaments Tommy Biffle won, but you don't see no AOI. So you start thinking, okay, where's the mix? You can be great at one thing and power your way only so far. But as the sport got younger, it really become relevant to, hey, learn everything because you're going to be at Lake Oahe and it's different. You're going to be over here and it's different. So I think early on in my career, you almost thought, I'm going to be a flipper. You know, I've always liked skipping docks and flipping, and that's going to be me. And then it didn't take, you know, four or five years in your career. You're like, hey, I got some voids in my arsenal here when we go to these certain lakes. I don't know what to do. So you start working on that. You either, I think you either adjust and get on the bus or you get left. How long do you think it takes today for a young angler to become a superstar in this sport? It's 10 years. It's 10 years. You think it was the same in your time when I you think, first broke in? I think you've seen some guys within five or six years in my early career start to see a little early superstar stardom because there wasn't so much news out there. You had the magazine, you had the, the TV show. That's that's all that you were fed fishing is what you've seen. And now a young person can get on there, dude, and there's so many you, – there's YouTubers that's got a million followers. There's – Instagram influencers got two or 3 million followers. So you look over to Bass Anger and you're like, well, how does he compete with that? Like there's just news after news after news and people big followers. So it's a real mix up on trying to separate superstardom from influencer. How do you look at social media? I mean, it, you, you've done incredibly well on it, but I also look at your career and I'm like, there was a time when all he had to do was catch fish and do some seminars in the off season, like good, bad, or indifferent. I think it was it's not something like like when I started trying to learn to do it, I, I, I didn't know anything about it, but I could see the writing on the wall. And and I started thinking to myself, I can remember when Facebook first came out, I thought, so you mean to tell me that I can have people going and like my page and I can post stuff and they can like it and watch it. So then all of a sudden I looked at it like, well, if you can get that page to be as relevant as a tournament situation, then you're relevant year round. Yeah. So like it just clicked, like just work on that because you're not fishing tournaments year round. Now I didn't love it. Like I struggle with it and I still have days where I'm like, you know, uh, it's like, it's, it's part of the job, but I have kind of gotten that point in my career where I don't get up and create content. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that says I am not a social influence where people was like, uh, we want to hire you on our team to be a social influencer. I'm like, I'm not a social influence. I don't do social influence. I'm, I am a fisherman that has a social influence. But I don't wake up every morning and say, hey, what hat and shirt am I going to put on? And let's go shoot all this shot list. I don't do that. I live my life and I film little pieces here and there that I think is funny or I think I like or I think people want to see. And I post it. But I do not wake up with a game plan to go be a social influencer because you have a career. You have other stuff going on. I have grandchildren. I, have, I mean, I, you're living your life and then trying to bring the fans into it. I think the other perspective is people like create a page and just throw the posting at it, and there's no life in it. I always say, you find a social media page that has no heartbeat, and I'll show you a social media page that won't be around a long time. It has to have some type of heartbeat. Eventually, there has to be some type of human element, or the fans will never gravitate to it. You may get a few clicks, but the, the fans will never look at that and say, I can relate to that. So yeah. social media become a necessity for us, and I can remember – my wife just walked in. She can remember early on, we went on a family vacation and she's like, I wish you'd get off that phone. And I was trying so hard to understand 
Facebook and learning all this. And now sometimes we're going somewhere. She said, I'm so glad you didn't listen to me and you kept trying to learn social media because at that <laughs> point we didn't know where it was going. And as soon as TikTok come out, I'm the same way. I'm like, I watched TikTok for a year deer hunting before I ever posted a video, made me an account. I had like 60 followers and my wife was like laughing. She goes, you got 60 followers on TikTok. I never made a video because I didn't understand it, but I wanted to watch it because I'm thinking, will this play a factor in a professional's career? And after a year, I'm thinking, I'm going to try a few. And I, I don't know. I got lucky on the first one of the couple I did and it like, like a million views. And she goes, you suck. This is no way you got that. But then I realized, hang on now. So I can be a fisherman. I can build a TikTok. I can get a million views. That's a lot. Yeah. So if I'm wearing an AFCO hat and I'm in my Phoenix fishing and I can get a million views, that's like having a TV show with a million views. Now, people want to put a, a penny or a dollar or a sign mark on it. That part, I don't know. But I know a million views is a million views. That's the way I look at it. So I'm like, TikTok is a piece of fishing. You just have to figure out where you fit in with it and how to use it. So I think when any new social platform comes out, I'm quick now to look at it and go, okay, let's see where this would apply to my world. You know, and yeah. early on, people were like, TikTok's never going to have a part in fishing. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. I think TikTok's a great way to build your YouTube. I think TikTok's a great way to show those small clips of some of those, like the stuff that you got. And like people get intrigued by it and they go to your channel. Yeah. TikTok's just an avenue to grow the other brand. I'm not saying that people's like, well, you can't make any money on TikTok. Didn't go there to make money. Didn't uh, TikTok's not where I make money on social media. Facebook's where I make most of my money on social media. YouTube's okay. Facebook is where I make my money, but I want to use TikTok to grow these brands to help grow that. Do you ever feel pressure? Like, as far as like, hey, we've been having a great week, but I haven't posted much. Like, you don't hold to a, we make sure to post this many times a week or anything like that. I think when you do that, you're just, you're putting pressure on yourself. I got to know uh, one of the big, biggest Facebookers out there. I, I need to have you, I really, really need to get you set up with Zach Russian to do your podcast because oh, love to. he's one of the hugest, like huge TikTok guys, loves fishing and hunting, but I've learned so much from him. And he told me one time, I was like, do you like, we're talking about, how often you post? And I said, how often do you post? He said, when I want to. I said, what? He said, if I don't post for two weeks, I don't care. He said, if you post so much, people don't want, he said, if your mother gave you chocolate chip cookies every day, he said, for the next 30 days, he said, at the end of 30 days, you're really not going to be looking forward to that cookie. But he said, if your mama gives you four chocolate chip cookies a month, he said, every week, you're going to be looking forward to when she's going to give that cookie. I said, yeah, he said, that's social media. And I thought, what a simple way to put it. You can put out a whole bunch of nothing, or you can put out something that your fans want to see that people are looking for. And he's the first one that said, don't get caught up in that. You got to post four times a day. A lot of people do that just to try to fake the algorithm for the number yeah. of sponsors, knowing that if you post so many times a day, you'll get a, a blank ballpark algorithm number. So if you get 10,000 and you post six times a day, you got 60,000 views that day. I get it. That's why people do that. Or you can post once a week and get 175,000 views in one video. So like you figure out where you want to be at, but I don't think you should, I think YouTube's a little tricky on when to post. Like I do think there's some, there's a little art to that, but no, the amount that we post, if I don't post for a day or two, I don't, because I feel like if I don't have anything good to post Dave, it's just like, you're just faking it. Or, or yeah. why would I just be posting to be filler? Like, hell well, I just, I need to post something. I think that's when you put pressure on yourself and then you, you quit enjoying the whole process. So I think if you're getting burnt out on social media and you think, man, I don't know what else to do, back off. Don't listen to what everybody tells you about how often to post. Post when you want to post. 
post when you like it. I find more of your posts kind of like this podcast, really very little to do about fishing, although it's a fishing podcast. Um, well, I, I've had somebody ask me the other day, they say, hey, man, when you, you know, when you going to post some more tournament videos. And I, I was at this little buffet and I'm like, dude, I will when I go fish tournaments. But I said, I'm not fishing tournaments right now. So if I if I was doing all these fishing videos, you would know that they were like I said, I did space out all my elite series to go one a month through the winter, just as content. But I'm like, I think in the winter, you know, I'm not fishing tournaments like, you know, I'm not out on the water when it's 15. So if I post a lot of fishing content, you know, it's probably really not even me. But if I post from my farm or I post from the post office and you can see me in the post office, you're like, well, it's, it's him. He's posting. So I think I think you mix that up. You keep your sponsors in mind and you you work that in. But I do think you can oversell it when it's not in season. Yeah. You know, so what I try to do is be cautious of, you know, if if I'm sitting there and I'm like, I if you do a video with a hat on or something, I said, you get a look, you keep the people at least aware uh, that I'm with Rapala, you know, but like, I don't even have a boat like October, November. I didn't even have a boat. So I'm like, you have to me, I just felt like I'm just going to do me. And of course, when the fishing's there, you just give them all the fishing. So I, I just think it's, it's worked so far and I'm not going to change it much. I'm too dumb to change it really. How do you battle the constant? I mean, I find social media, it's a constant, and it's a weird little war that you're fighting on behalf of your followers. Um, but but I don't know that there's a really a reward for anyone, but like the amount of sponsors that are like, hey, can you use a Gerald Swindle 15 discount coupon and tell people I don't that like that? I feel it's lazy marketing. That's it. You're, I, you're... I feel like companies are ambushing people with followings. And the problem with that is they're actually trying to measure their success off that 15% discount. Okay. That's not really, if that's all you're looking for as if you're a company out there and you say, I'm just looking for somebody that can post a 15% off code and get 50 people to sign up. You're really not doing your company any good because you're not really, really looking at what that guy's done across the board for you year round. You yeah. know, if he, if he wears your brand from stage to stage and year round and he incorporates black rifle coffee into his life when he's hunting, when he's fishing, when he's at the grocery store, it's much more valuable than one post of him putting up a 15% code because you can never measure the amount of coffee I possibly sold to the police officers that have pulled me over on the side of the highway to gas stations. And I've been able to give them some black rifle coffee or shake their hand and say, thanks for what you do. I want you to know black rifle coffee supports the people in blue. What, what did that do? Can you say, so you want to go to that marketing person and say, can you put a pin on that? Can you click that up in your algorithm? See, you can't. Because, see, he's going to leave there and go back to the police station and say, dude, I met Gerald Swindle out there, and he gave me some of this coffee, and it's really good. So I said, I think there's two type of marketing strategies going on right now. People want you to click these discount codes. There's still some old school people that look at that and say, hey, this guy is representing your brand 365. 365, at some level, he has your back. So I think the newer age of that just wants that click code. And I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily like them that much. I don't. I, I think sometimes, and I think sometimes we take away from holidays when sponsors want you to. They'll come in and say, "Oh, we got a we got a big holiday coming up. I need you to do a Fourth of July sale." Everybody go well, sit I, on Santa's lap. Yeah, or, or 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 Memorial Day or something. I'm like, well, why don't we just pay our respects on Memorial Day and quit trying to sell them something? Yeah, that's new, ain't it? I don't like that because it makes it look like maybe I don't respect Memorial Day. Like it's more important to run this sale. So I think 
as a as a person who has a page, you have to fight for your page. I've actually had some discussions with a sponsor this year that's way out there. And I said, you can ask somebody to do so much that it's almost like it's cannibalization, like you're cannibalizing their whole page. You know, you, you got to be careful on that. And, and because as fast as the fans tune in, it's as fast as they can tune out and they know when it's fake. Yeah. You know, so I said, that's the argument you have to make when controlling the page. And I think that's what some anglers feel like, well, I, I'll just post it. This is what they want. But if you're just posting to be posting, but yet they're measuring that code to see if you're selling anything, you just signed your own death wish. Yeah. You know? So I'm like, it's, that's a tough one, man. I, I mean, since you brought that up, I mean, you, I know you deal with it where you're like, ah, ah. I mean, well, I just want everybody to post at the same time. I've never understood that. We got a sponsor says, Hey, I need all 61 of y'all to post on the same day at 8 PM. Don't you think we kind of run that in the ground? I would rather <laughs> let's do five, five a day, you know, and spread it out. But they're like, Oh no, it's all post at one time. Well, you can only get so much in on your, on your feed. You're like, okay, I'm over this company. Like, yeah. Ease into it. Let it, let them spread that out. You know? Yeah. I mean, I had a company this past year, the year previous to this, that, that was just judging things on a certain hashtag. So if this hashtag was on your social, so somehow the hashtag didn't, I didn't end up putting said hashtag, but I mean, I had done a lot of different and, and I went back and I'm like, we did it two years ago. We did 70 million plays on YouTube. And I said, well, we have said, they, they said, well, your stuff doesn't make any impact. And I'm like, well, we have 70 million plays. And they're like, well, no, when we search the hashtag, nothing comes up. And I'm like, yeah, but if you go to the page and look like it's just to me, it's, it's, it's weird marketing. You know what I mean? Like, and well, I get it. it. You gotta, you gotta quantify things, but. But there's a lot of companies that are wanting to get said trackers to track your page, but you got a hashtag, another hashtag on a hashtag. Well, if they don't understand is on Facebook more, the more hashtags or the more you at this and at that, especially if it's giant corporate America, the less at you get out there. Really? I can promise you the bigger the sponsor you're atting and you hitting up on Facebook knows who's got the money. They know Toyota got some money. <laughs> they know Mountain Dew got some money. They know Black Rifle got some money. So you have to be careful when you line up all them tags in a row that like it doesn't go anywhere. So, but these companies are like, well, let's put us on there and we're going to track it. I'm like, well, if you have somebody marketing and you only have 20 of us on staff, can't that said person go to my page and look down there and see what I've done. But if it doesn't come up on that tracking device, you didn't do it. So it's almost like you're, you're, you're trying to help them. I'm like, I'm going to feed you the, the, all the numbers, the analytical numbers at the end of the month, but be careful tagging so much on there because sometimes it, it can hurt your post. It hurts the reach. Yeah, it's it really just benefits one. And hey, I'm thankful for every sponsor. If you want me, to. I am, you know, but I think it's I think as people who run the pages who have uh, maybe have really familiar with what your fans like, I think it's good that you sit down with that sponsor and you have them discussions and say, hey, this is what really goes over good on my page. Can you let me make uh, take what you want right here, twist it in my words, do it my way, put it on my page and we can meet in the middle. Because if you do that, it's a win-win. Yeah. You know, but I think sometimes you have to stand up for a little bit of that and say, hey, let's, let's, let's go about it this way. Because people know when it's not you, you know. Hi, I'm <laughs> uncomfortable. That, that's, 
So it's not, it's not who I am. So we, we battle a little bit, but we're super thankful. But I honestly, the companies that I've sit and talked with it have been extremely receptive. It's yeah. hey man, let's try it. Do it your way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think a lot of the young guys get hammered with it more because they're just doing a deal because that's the only deal they can get. And, and like I said, we're thankful for every deal that we get, but you also understand what people turn it. it I say the same thing on the stage, like the amount of people, one, one, somebody says, I would like to thank, I watched the entire thing, the entire crowd, just, yeah. it turns into Chandler Brown's teacher, mom, 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 mom. they don't care. But, yeah. and I, I, I was starting to talk about it earlier in the show. And I said, I use you as an example all the time. I'm like, Gerald's like when people leave an event of any kind, like a classic and elite, whatever, they just leave there with flashes. Like they don't remember every single moment. They remember, hey, it was cool when so-and-so made this joke or did you see the size of those fish they held or whatever, but it's just little moments. None of those moments, nobody's ever left away and been like, man, did you hear the fuel economy that that motor is getting nowadays? Well, I mean, that I was... got nine miles a gallon running down there to Freeport, you know? But they will say that some redneck said his motor got such good gas miles, he made gas. He he went out with 40 gallon, come in with 61. I need that, I mean... If you want to talk about the mercury fuel economy, twist it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 uh, do you, do you put feel pressure up for your stage? Like when you come to stage, dude, do, do you, how much of that do you none prep or is it all just none? I just walk up there and look at you and I'm like, well, here we go. I hope all this works out pretty good. You know, I just, I really don't, man. That's all off the cuff and just whatever's on my mind. And I used to kind of think about it. And I thought that's the worst thing to do because if you think about it and put all that in your head and you don't say it in order, then you get all messed up. So yeah. just let it come out. It is what it is. I mean, I have took your mic away from you before. <laughs> you can take it whenever you want. <laughs> it just walked off. Just got Dave's mic and just walked off. I said, I just want to know what it sounded like if I did win. Y'all all stand up. Hey, I'm just trying to fake it, baby. I just want everybody to get rid, you know. Uh, well, you, I mean, you posted that video a few weeks ago of you on stage in lacrosse. And I, when I watched it, I'm like, people must think this is fake because you start with you're, you're talking about, you know, you're chapstick and it yeah. unrolling and then i don't know why like but i was like did you use it after and then you, you went you to just fell right the hemorrhoids and, but like i watched it and i'm like people must think we practice this crap but it's not you it's, never missed a beat you said well did you use it and i said no i got him confused my lips are checked <laughs> see that's the part i appreciate about mercer because even if i stumble a little bit you're usually so quick-witted it's like it's pretty easy but I honestly don't, I don't think about it, man. I, I think about my day of fishing and when I get there, it is what it is. Whatever we feel when we go on stage and I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to Knoxville. I mean, I, I can't wait to be on stage at Knoxville in that arena with you being there, you know, and that's going to be, we got a few tournaments between it there. We got, we got Seminole and we got the big O, but Knoxville's going to be pretty crazy. It is. It's going to be incredible. And, um, I mean, dude, I think those moments that you have on stage are some of the, did, was there ever a time in your career? There had to be a time in your career where you were up there acting. Like when you first started, I mean, you weren't always this Gerald Swindle, were you? I was a little shy at first, but I can remember like stepping out on a limb and starting to just like, I'm just going to say kind of what's like, go with it and just see what it goes. This is what I'm thinking, you know, and I, 
I can remember early in my career, there was a few really big leaders in the sport that had set me down as like, you know, you probably should shave that goatee. You probably shouldn't do this. You probably shouldn't. And it's like the more people push me to be what they thought that superstar needed to be or look like or talk like, the more I wanted to be me. And then it become like more like I'm, I'm going to say me. I'm not going to be directed in what to say that almost rebellious to a dangerous point where like I can remember when Bass passed the rule that we couldn't wear denim. If you'll go back and look at the very next tournament, I wore knickers that were cow print. I don't, I'm not, I'm a grown man. I don't want to be told what to wear. So like I, I started wearing the most outlandish shorts. You, I bought some Sean John shorts that looked like, like pot plants. I bought whatever I could find that wasn't denim just to push the envelope to say, Hey, I want to be different, you know? So, so I that's learned, why you wore all that. Dude. Cause I, I said, never, no I denim. never knew that denim, no wow. denim. Wow. Anything, my wife caught me buying <laughs> shorts at a gas station in Palatka, Florida. She said, you just walked out with yellow shorts in a gas station that's wrapped up in a baggie. I said, yeah, but they look hideous. She said, I know. I said, they're perfect. Let's go. <laughs> I had no idea. I just, I was like, hey, he likes, he likes yeah, to friend. be seen. <laughs> just the fact that I kind of wanted to be me. I kind of wanted to do what I want to do. Uh, and I understand that there's guidelines on the stage and regulations, but I don't think now it's not near as bad, but early on, like they truly wanted me to shave my goatee. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I'm like, nah, nah, I'm going to do that. You know, until I, if I'm not offending anybody with profanity and all that, I'm going to be a little bit rebellious. I want to stand out. I want to be different, not, not conform to just say, all oh, y'all wear khaki pants and stand in a line. No, that's not me. I think being you though, that's, that's the tightrope you walk. Like you're going to, I mean, everybody thinks it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's hilarious until it's not hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you're going to get there. I mean, everybody, I think, unless you stand back and you don't ever step out, but if you're going to be the kind of person you are sooner or later, you're going to upset somebody. Yeah. And you have to know that you have to know going in that not everybody wants to laugh. Yeah. Somebody out there is not going to laugh and think, hey, this ain't funny. He offended me. So you have to understand that sometimes by being yourself, there is small bumps in the road. It'll get better. You know, we both learned it. I mean, me and you both said things. We're like, yeah, there's somebody going to get offended. And now now it's more so than ever. Yeah. But but you do realize that. But I'm not going to quit being me to that point where I'm going to get on stage and just stand there and look out in the crowd. I'm going to have a good time. We go, I like, you know, if people smile and laugh, I like, I enjoy watching people smile and laugh. I think the world gives them enough bad stuff. So if that crazy Canadian and redneck can come together for three minutes on a Bassmaster stage and make everybody laugh, you know what? Then I'm going to call that a win for today. Cause I promise you, they've probably had enough negativity in their life or enough bad news. That it ain't going to hurt to laugh a little bit. And no. if I get in trouble for taking that chance, that's a chance I'll take. But every single way, and somebody walks away, I can get like if I'm we. I've said let's do exit polls. What what moments do you remember? And there's people that might not even know your name, but they remember that guy. You know what I mean? But in time, they know your name, and it's. I think what you have built is amazing. Um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? I, I think one of the most solid things that I ever been told that I took to heart actually come from my dad. And when I was leaving to go off fishing, he said, son, I can't give you a credit card and I can't give you a lot of advice, 
He said, I give you the most valuable thing that I can possibly give you. And he said, that's my last name. And he said, don't disappoint me. And I've kind of wore, wore that like a badge of honor that, hey, that name on the back of that elite jersey means something to me. And it means something to my family. So you that as crazy as advice as that was, is I've always kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And that's something, you, I mean, he might have said that to you, but you learned that growing. You know what I mean? That's a bread well, you, into you, you. You learn how valuable your last name is. Gerald Swindle has left the building. Maybe a sign that our podcast went way too long. Um, hopefully he comes back. We welcome you back to our regular scheduled programming. Gerald Swindle, you know this podcast has gone so long when your computer starts to die. Yes. And I didn't plug it in. I had to go get Lulu. <laughs> that's uh, great advice. But like what we were saying is, I mean, that's you grow up around that. Your work ethic yeah. is that is that what's when you look at why you accomplished what you've accomplished in this sport? Is it all work ethic? I I, th I feel like that's a big part of it, and maybe just too dumb to quit. You know, no matter uh, how bad the first day standings look or day two standings look maybe it just never registered that technically you this is not possible and then mix it with worth ethic and want to and and you have a long career but i think a lot of guys when they, when the push comes to shove and day one is not good and then day two so so like oh i don't have anything to fish for tomorrow i was right opposite i had that uh i had that name you know and and you you're like you know i i can work through this i can do better at this so i i think that's that's probably was it they just work ethic and I mean, a lot of pride. What is the biggest advice you would give to the future of this sport to people watching this that are, man, I, one day I want to be the Gerald Swindle. Learn to respect uh, your competitors, learn, uh, learn how to be humble in a way that uh, you're always grateful, no matter what, you know, don't, don't come out, uh, you know, I expect don't come out of that guy. I expect to win. I didn't win. I'm going to win. Like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to be a little humble to say, you know, when you got lucky, you got lucky. Uh, don't be afraid to work. That's for sure. And most of the time it ain't going to happen easy as you want, you know, uh Oh mama, hang on. Hang on. What happened, Dave? Uh, I got you. You're good you good on my end. What are you losing me? Lulu. He's not gonna have to do it as long as you can see me, but I can't see myself. I don't know where I went to. You're you're still here. I can still see you. Okay, well that's all that matters. And uh, I, I think with that, you got anger's got to know it's not gonna happen easy. You know, you you're gonna have some years when it doesn't seem like it's gonna make sense. But I think if it's your dream and it's your passion, then then it ain't supposed to necessarily be easy. You have to be the only one that can see that you can do it, and you have to work when it doesn't look like it's important you have to keep fishing hard when it, nobody's looking. And when you can do that, you will start building the foundation of a long running career. Amazing career an amazing conversation. And I couldn't think of a better person to kick off the season with. I mean, and I appreciate that, Dave. I mean, it's, it's, we you know us rednecks and Canadians get together. That's why we don't play hockey down here. Cause if they mix <laughs> me and you up, it'd be dangerous. <laughs> It uh, it's always great to talk to you. But you know what it has been screaming in my head, and I don't know why. I'm going back to a topic we started this with, and I thought it all last night. 
And, and I think it's a learning thing for all of us. You think of all the people that tuned in to see Josh Allen throw a football and all the people that tuned in to see Joe Burrow. And then when it all went wrong, the people that were the supposed stars, the people that were the reason people went there, they all stood back, had their hands over their face, and the real stars went to work in the middle of the field. And that is the people that nobody noticed. But, oh, who's that dude? Oh, he's from the training department or whatever. But it, it's uh, – I don't he's know why that – that nobody ever paid attention to until they realized that one of our heroes' life is in – is is hanging by just a, a glimpse and this guy can rescue over and start CPR. That's when you realize that maybe the guy don't have a number on, but he's still the MVP of part of that team. So sometimes in life, I think we, we run around thinking if we can't read the name or we can't see the number on a Jersey, maybe they're not part of the team, but there's, there's many superstars around you. They just may not be wearing a Jersey. Well, you're a superstar and, um, I love having you on the elite series G and, um, Hopefully it stays warm for you down there. You got it, brother. I look forward to Florida, man. Tell the wife oh. to say hello. Uh, I'll see you down there. And as to get the fans ready, because I think this is going to be one heck of a elite series with the schedule, the seasoning, the classic. You guys better get ready because Mercer's going to be doing some work on stage. It's going to be a fun one. I miss you. I like about a month and a half, and I'll see you. All right. I'll see you then. And uh, I'm calling it right now. Gerald Swindle is winning this year's classic. Peace. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Hey, man. The incomparable Gerald Swindle. Gee, thank you. That was a great conversation. And, um, you know, the crazy thing about every conversation I have with Gerald, whether it be at the side of his boat before takeoff, whether it be a casual phone conversation, whether it be an interview at Bass, whether it be on this podcast, you never know what direction things are going to go. G decides all that. Like, there's no like, hey, this time I think we should talk about this. It goes in whatever direction his heart seems to send him. But the amazing thing is, in all of these conversations we've had together, we've talked about many different topics. But the result is kind of always the same. I leave a conversation with Gerald Swindle feeling motivated, feeling inspired to, to be better. And um, it kind of makes you wonder, maybe maybe that's why Swindle hasn't won a classic yet. Maybe that's why he hasn't won an Elite Series event yet. And and like I said, I honestly believe he's going to win both those titles before he's done. He will win a Classic. He will win an Elite Series event. But it's hard to be the positive mental attitude guy when you're always winning. You have to have overcome some adversity. And boy, has Swindle overcome adversity in life and his career. But that's what makes him the motivating character, the motivating individual, the person that he is. So I don't know if any of that makes sense, but it's just what I feel. And I'm thankful for the amazing friends that I have that come on this show. I'm thankful that Swindle chose to kick off the year with us on this show. And I'm thankful that you guys tune in week after week. And um, as always, I'm thankful of Bob Cobb. So take it away, Bob. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to.